0: However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Well, Lord, we just thank you for tonight, and we pray for your grace as I speak and as we hear your word tonight. Uh, Thank you for Caleb's prayer, and we just... Lord, I need your help. I need your grace. Holy Spirit, you're called the helper. Help me to communicate, help us to hear the things that you're trying to speak to us as individuals tonight. And for those on Facebook, Lord, I just ask that your anointing would even just go through Facebook and touch hearts and even on the recording. But be our teacher tonight, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, we continue to look at the book of Acts. We've been doing this for eight or nine or ten weeks now, and I'm just kind of hitting on different themes that I'm studying throughout this wonderful, wonderful book. The book of Acts is so rich. It's the story of how the church began, and that church exists today. We're a part of what started 2,000 years ago. And in the one sense, it's you know, preceded that by thousands of years. It's all one big plan, but the shift in redemptive history, the beginning of the church is most clearly written in the book of Acts. And specifically tonight, I want to touch on the theme of leadership because it does take leadership to take the church a certain direction and God raises up men and women and he uses people of different you know skill levels and backgrounds it 's just a really neat subject and and by the way the the subject of leadership in general, I really like studying leadership and we 've got something going on over here let 's uh, we've got people trying to listen, sweetie, so maybe do that in the back. <laughs> the holy Ghost is moving i don 't know what 's going on over here but i I love talking about leadership, but even within leadership thought there is a more narrow focus called Christian leadership. And I want to focus on that tonight because there's a uniqueness to Christian leadership that's not always synonymous with just leadership thought in general. And the way God leads, the way Jesus leads His church is not how Many people would lead. It's not how me and you would do a lot of things. You know, kind of the classic example in the old testament when the that one group of people were going to war and the Lord says, You've got too many people. I want you to take less to war. And they're like, What are you talking about? And he's like, I'm God. I I have a different leadership style, and you actually need less so that when you win with less, I'll get more glory. And so there's just so many ways where it's like, God, really? Is that right? And he says, yeah, so there's so much we could touch on on the way God leads and how Jesus leads his church, but we're just going to do a couple quick ones tonight. And so again, this is the unique nature of Christian leadership, looking specifically in the book of Acts. The first thing I would draw our attention to, this is really kind of diverges from mainstream leadership thought, is how Jesus calls the unlikely. This is under Roman numeral number two, letter A. Jesus calls unlikely people with sketchy backgrounds who don't seem old enough, who don't seem like they have the experience or they sin grievously. There's so many things about them. It's like, could God use them? And the Lord says, yeah, actually, I'm not only going to use them. They're going to be an apostle. You know, we looked at Saul of Tarsus the last number of weeks. This is a former persecutor. This is someone who killed believers. And Jesus says, that guy's perfect to lead my church. And in the natural, we'd say, that guy's disqualified. He's killed people. And God says, no, I'm going to so do a work I'm going to use him in a unique way to lead my church, even though that's his background. And so there's many people that God calls. They don't seem old enough. They don't seem skilled enough. They don't have theological training. They don't have anything going for them. But the point is that in their weakness, they'll actually point people to Jesus more because they didn't have anything going for them. They didn't have anything in the natural where they'd be like, oh, yeah, I was so talented that I won many people to the Lord. He calls people who are just regular folk so often. And so I have written here that he chooses the young, he chooses the inexperienced, he chooses the untrained, even people that are deeply flawed. I think of myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm all these and more. Even when Jesus was leading... Jesus was a young man. I mean, the greatest leader in history who led the greatest move of God in history was like 30. I mean, imagine that. He didn't have 75 years of experience of leading moves of God. He was in his late 20s, early 30s when he began to lead multitudes. And then he was crucified a few years later. So there's just this way that God chooses the unlikely and so often we'd say oh, I don't know is that person too young or too inexperienced or do they need a bible training and those things can be good but so often God calls the unlikely let's look at acts four thirteen. we all know this verse it said Peter and John were preaching and the people saw Peter and John and said they're uneducated and untrained how are they doing this said they marveled they have no formal religious education they have no training in being an orator and yet here they are leading so many how are they doing this it says that they they realized they'd been with jesus that's significant i love that line uneducated uneducated untrained but they'd been with jesus and that's the difference maker right there Jesus is the equalizer. <laughs> if you've just been with that man and he's rubbed off on you, it makes up for everything plus some. That's all we... To be effective in ministry, stay close to Jesus and he, the fragrance comes off of you and all of a sudden you're leading and doing the stuff he called you to do. In 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 1, he says, he says Brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, not many of them are called. Not many of them are called to lead the church, the people who you think are the wisest, who you think have the greatest strength. They're of a a nobility or maybe a, a heightened political stature or heightened social stature. He doesn't call those people often calls the common person. It says there, this is so important to know about God's leadership. He's chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He wants to use regular people to preach the gospel. He wants to use the commoner to combat powers and principalities. He's not waiting for movie stars and well-known musicians, and well-known authors in the, the upper crust of society. He's waiting for people like us to do His will. I love that. He's chosen the weak things to shame, the things that are mighty. The base things of the world are common. Things that we would despise, or people that we would despise. God says, I'm choosing them. I love this is how God leads. Now, here's the thing. We recognize God calls not many wise, not many noble, et cetera. Et cetera but sometimes he does. And so we don't just go all the way from one ditch to the other. Uh, for example, Saul of Tarsus was so smart. He was so wise. God called Saul of Tarsus to become an apostle, to become Paul the apostle. And so he does use some, but it's not the norm. It's not like... Uh, Hey, you movie star, I need you because you're so good at doing movies and hey, you're an author and you're so good at... I need all the best to make this thing work. And and God goes, no, I, I just need people who are willing. I need people who are obedient. And if they stay close to me, people will notice me. And so why say all this? You know, in my experience, people have so counted themselves out already because they're not. You know, they don't have a PhD. They they don't have the double masters. They haven't been, you know, a missionary for 50 years. And so they're thinking, well, I don't have any of that. So how could I do this or that? And so they count themselves out. Don't count yourself out. If you're just a regular person like me, God could use you to do extraordinary things. And the more you think, "Eh, I don't know if the Lord... Lord says, All the more I'll use you because you think I can't, I will. And so don't ever count yourself out to, you know, lead the twos, the threes, the thousands, the masses. He calls the unlikely. Sort of in that same vein, letter B, this is a second unique nature of Christian leadership. So he not only calls the unlikely, he calls most people to obscurity, which is unusual. We would think, well, a leader has to be well-known and a leader has to be accepted by everybody. He does call some to notoriety, but most to obscurity. And we'll get into this a little bit. Some to notoriety, most to obscurity. He calls the unlikely person and he guards them by saying, just be faithful in your corner. You don't have to be world famous. Some Christians will be. Billy Graham's world famous. He's with the Lord now, and I kind of tease him a little bit in my sermons. He understands. But he was famous for the Lord. He did that so well. He did that faithfully. But that's like the, so few people will be used at that level. 99.9999% of Christians, like some people will know you in your neighborhood and your city, but that's it. And that's like really healthy. That's really normal, And to think that like, well, if I was faithful, every nation would know me. Oh, that's totally, that's why people get confused about leadership. Almost nobody's going to know about me and you. And so don't even worry about that stuff. Most people, the high 99%, you and me, I mean, there might be someone in another country that's heard of us, but it's not going to be like history is going to remember us. You know, there's a few people out there, there's Charles Spurgeon and there's St. Francis and there's some big names that we'll recognize throughout history, you know, but there's thousands and thousands of faithful men and women we'll never know of that were just as faithful, that, were ju- that had just the same impact, but we just, we don't know their name. Let me give you a few examples from the book of Acts because this is so important. So here's the 12. There's a list of the 12. After after Judas falls, they replace Judas with Matthias. So in Acts 1, there's Peter. We know Peter. There's James and John. And there's Andrew. We don't talk about Andrew a whole lot. Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew. Who's heard a sermon on Bartholomew lately? (laughs) Matthew, Simon the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Matthias. We don't know anything about Matthias other than his names here. We don't know what he did. We don't know anything Bartholomew did. They were called among the twelve, but yet they were obscure. We don't even know what, who they are or what they did or what kind of impact they had. It may be that when we get to heaven... Jesus will say, actually, uh, Bartholomew had more fruit than Peter. Bartholomew was in the corner praying, and it was releasing the power of God on Peter's ministry. We don't know. We assume that because we know Peter and James and Paul that they must be like number one, two, and three in heaven. I, I guarantee you we're going to get to heaven, and Jesus is going to go like, oh, my gosh, Bartholomew. You've got to hear his story. I hid it for a reason, but here's what it was. And we're going to just be like, oh my gosh. Then there's the 120 at Pentecost. The Bible just says there's about 120 people in that prayer room. And the fire of God falls. So it's like, can we get a class from them like to teach us what they did? And the Lord says, no, they're going to be completely hidden. I just want you to know there's about 120 of them. And when they prayed, fire from heaven came down. And I just want you to know that. It's like, Lord, write more. Like, what did they pray and what? Like, we got to do it. He says, no, they're going to be obscure. They're, you're going to know a few of their names. The 12 are there and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and some of Jesus's family, but the rest are totally hidden and obscure. We don't know who was there, but we do know they were heavy hitters. There was some moms in the corner who were praying and the Holy Spirit's like, you know, so... That's the thing, You're, you might be called to this elite place of intercession, no one knows about you, except the Holy Spirit moves when you pray. I had someone this week, I'm not going to say names, I just, we had this conversation and the person was like, hey, do you really feel like like, like the Holy Spirit's on my life? And, I'm, and I can't be the judge of that very accurately, but all I said was like, yes. All I know is when you pray, it, things happen. And I, I would say for sure God's on your life. It's like, like, no one knows you, but like you pray, stuff breaks forth. I'm like, that's amazing. So sometimes we think like, oh, I'm not anointed. Or I don't, like Jesus doesn't know me because no one else knows me. No, you could have a very significant leadership calling or prayer calling, or, but not everybody's gonna know you. You're gonna be obscure there was the Jerusalem 7 in Acts 6.5. The Jerusalem 7, this is stuff you're not going to hear too often talked about. There was a group of people. This was the issue of the distribution of bread. There were some widows being overlooked during this distribution of funds and food. And so they got a group of people to handle it. So they get Stephen, who is the first martyr we talked about last week. They get Stephen is among the Jerusalem seven. And there's Philip. Philip's known as being translated. He led that Egyptian to the Lord and then he's gone. It's like, whoa. So we know Stephen and Philip, but then there's five more Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, who we know nothing about. It just, the Bible records their name. For all we know, they did some of the most significant things in the church. But we don't know because they were obscure. That's the way Jesus leads. There's a few that are prominent. Most are obscure. And we should never make the mistake of assuming they're insignificant. For all we know, they did way more behind the scenes. Who knows? Then there's the Antioch 5. In Antioch, there is a mention of there there is some prophets and teachers In Acts 13, later on in the Acts narrative, it says, now the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, we know, Simeon, we've heard of. Then there's Lucius. Who's Lucius? Menaean. I can't even pronounce these guys. I've never heard them shared ever. Menaean, Lucius, Simeon, Barnabas. I think there's five of them. Did I get all of them? Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manane, and Saul. Some of them we know. We know Saul. We know Barnabas. Maybe a little bit of Simeon. Who's heard a sermon on what Menaen did? We don't know. Here's my point once again. As God calls you and me to lead people, good, it could be twos or threes. It could be hundreds. It could be thousands, whatever he calls you to be faithful in. Don't assume that if, like, it's significant that you're going to be known. You may be very unknown, and you don't have to be the Paul of your city or the Paul of your generation to be significant. There's going to be, like, one guy like that or one woman. You know, there's one Billy Graham every generation, and it's like, I'm okay not being that. And if that's your calling, do that faithfully. But it's usually not, it's just going to be, we're going to touch twos and threes. And, you know, for example, as I was coming in tonight, there was uh, uh, some people coming out of getting their hair cut. And so I'm like, ooh. So I had a couple kids there. I give them some candy from my office. I give them a little CD, uh, a little praise CD, and we talk a little bit. And, like, that's ministry. I want to touch twos and threes consistently my whole life. I'm not waiting for the big, like, I'm Paul now. Like, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So don't, don't think, like, you're, you're significant already, like right now. Like, you're leading those few people. Is Just keep doing that consistently throughout, throughout your life. Okay. A little bit of application here before I just touch on three last ones. Boom, 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 real quick. We've never heard a sermon about Bartholomew or Timon or Lucius or Menaian. God kept them obscure. We're going to learn about them one day. So kind of like that, if if you're hidden, if you're unknown, if you're obscure, it's okay. Your calling is just as significant as Paul, Peter, James, and the others. So he calls the unlikely, probably going to be obscure. Let me just make a comment, just a general observation. A lot of people have taken a dramatic step back in the last few years. Things have gotten harder, um, you know, with COVID and things like that. People have shifted, and here's the thing: I think a lot of people have given up because their their vision for ministry was to be prominent, and when it got hard and no one was there, they quit here's the thing. Like, I'm I'm going to do what God called me to do, whether there's people applauding or not, or whether there's people there or not. And if you take that attitude, you're always going to be useful. Like, and I'm not trying to be harsh toward anybody, but I just think that there's such a wrong concept of Christian leadership that's more like the corporate world than the kingdom. And it's if he's called you, don't expect it to be like celebrated or for there to be masses. Just do it faithfully. It's significant if if you're called. Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there. Now, here's another unique thing about Christian leadership. We're not called to just do things in the natural. We're called to deal with things that are spiritual and eternal. This is, this is what separates Christian leadership from any other type of leadership. If you're a business leader, you're trying to get results here and now. But if you're a Christian leader, you're dealing with things that are immaterial. Not that we can't, you know, meet needs. We need to meet needs and things like that. We need pr- practicality. But above and beyond that, we're trying to help people into eternity. And so we can't, we can't miss that. There, there's, a, there's a difference so you're dealing with things that are weighty. You're dealing with things that are of eternal nature, things that aren't just, you can't just touch it. It's spiritual in nature. And so recognize that not everybody's going to understand what you're doing. Like people will sometimes like look at me and scratch their head and say, prayer, what? Like, don't you, like, is, what is that all about? And it's, I get it now. I, I used to, used to bother me but they're not thinking that they're going to be living for 8 trillion years. I'm thinking that they're not. (laughs) I'm like, there are 300,000 souls in central Illinois that are going to live somewhere for eternity. Like, there has to be intercession crying out for these people. Like, angels and demons are real, you know, and, and there's got to be people seeking God and releasing angels and binding devils just because people have no idea that that's real doesn't mean it stops being real. And there's so many Christians who are like, well, I don't believe in the devil. And it's like, he doesn't stop attacking you just because you think he's not real. He will ruin your life while you're saying he's not real. And so it's like, no, there's got to be a people who are like, we've got to deal with these things that others just aren't grasping. And so the that's the thing when you lead in a pastoral way or in a ministry context youth leadership worship whatever there are things happening in the spirit you know angels are released and god's moving and the devil's you know like oh they're singing again i'm out of here that's happening and so we just have to know you know you read through the book of acts there's so many instances where you see behind the scenes you know, the, the, the story that I just think is so funny was the girl with the spirit of divination on her life. And she kept saying, you are the ones that proclaim eternal life. And it, Paul got so annoyed that he's like, uh, oh, it's right, but it's a wrong spirit. And he kind of casts it out. He knew there was something behind the scenes. And that's, that's the thing. When we're in Christian leadership, we recognize there's more than just what we're seeing. Real quick, number four, Christian leaders, we will face pressures and trials and tribulations, even suffering in a way that maybe others won't because what God's trying to produce in a Christian leader is the glory of God. <laughs> it's, it, so if you're called as a leader for Jesus, he's going to lead you in all sorts of pressures so that the the work of Christ is accomplished in you and me in a deep and full measure. So don't ever, like James, begins his letter saying, if you're having trials, count it all joy. God's working in you. And it's like, James, I'm going to scratch that out of my Bible. Don't talk about that. (laughs) It's just the truth. Don't expect easy leadership if, You're going to lead for Christ. I love what Paul says in Acts 14. I'm going to flip over there. I think it's just the next page. So many things Paul said in the book of Acts. I'm like, ooh, that's good. He says, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. What what I find so fascinating about that verse is right before it, it said he was strengthening people and exhorting them saying that. Paul's like, ooh, i got to really encourage people. You have to go through tribulation to enter the kingdom. It's like, ugh, that's not the message I would preach to exhort and strengthen. Got to land the plane. Okay. Oh. (laughs) One sec. I'm almost done, sweetie. Excuse me. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. As a leader, if you are prepared for that, you can prepare others for that. And so when the trials come, you're not shaken and they're not shaken. There is a gospel being preached today that is a tribulation free gospel, a trial free gospel, a suffering free gospel, and it sets people up for total failure spiritual failure. We will go through things, they will be hard. And the meaning of them is to become more like Jesus, deep on the inside, so that the glory of God comes out of us. So people, so when they get around us, the fragrance of Christ oozes and emanates from our life. The way they would make fragrances, I mean, not just then, but today, is they, they crush things, and a beautiful fragrance comes out. That's how they make uh, myrrh. Is there's a crushing of a plant and a pressing of it oil is made this way and the same way with us as we go through these things christ comes from our life calls the unlikely most to obscurity we deal with eternal things there will be pressures last one real quick He calls us to navigate limited resource. Here's the thing. You guys may grow up and be older and then you're leading huge cool things. Here's the thing. There's going to be times and seasons where it's just there's nothing but you and Jesus. There's no resource. There's no people going hurrah. (laughs) The, The money runs dry and everything seems to be at zero and you're in the right place. I can't tell you how many Bible verses there are where Jesus, he sends the disciples, you know, okay, we got to go with two, like twos? Okay, we'll go with twos. And he says, oh, before you go, don't take anything. Don't even take money. Huh? What? What? What are you talking about? Like we need to like buy Snicker bars and Gatorade or something, don't we? No, not on this trip. I want you to learn to rely on me completely, not even rely on money. Now, there was times where he did tell them to take their their money sack, and they were like, "Woo, thank you, Jesus. Uh, But there was times where he didn't. Acts 3, 6. I mean, imagine if Peter was rich and he had all this money. We wouldn't have one of the greatest Bible verses of all time. Acts 3, 6. They're at the gate beautiful. The guy looks up at Peter and John. Can you help me? And uh, can, you give me a, you know, can you give me a dollar? That's my DKV, the Derek Kistner version there. Peter looks at him and he says, the all-time quote, Acts 3, 6, I don't have any money, but I've, I've got something far more valuable. In the name of Jesus, rise up, you're healed. Now, I just think, what if Peter had money? What if he had a little bit of silver and gold? He just would have been, ching, and wouldn't have thought again about it. There's something that God can accomplish through us when we have nothing. Because we have to have Jesus. And that's what Peter had. Peter had been brought so low. He'd been just crushed by life. He'd betrayed the Lord and been restored and just so many things had happened. He had nothing. He didn't even have any money on him. But he had God. And that's where he wants to bring us as leaders. There will be lack at times. But those are the times where he's He's training us to trust him. Because at the end of the day, if we have nothing except Jesus, we have everything. Amen. So there's times where he'll raise up the unlikely. It could be you. He may ask you to do something way beyond what you've ever imagined. Allow him to do that. Don't get all confused when you're like, well, I thought more people would know. No, just keep keep doing your thing. Help people, help people not just in their life for now, but to think of eternal life, eternal things. Navigate the trials and trust him when there's nothing. Amen, amen. Let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, there's a uniqueness to Christian leadership. There's a unique way you lead, you lead leaders that represent the name of Jesus. And it's often quite different than a corporate leader or a, a business leader or any other kind of leader. And so I'm asking that you would anoint with great grace those in this room as they lead in their spheres, among their family members, among their workplaces, wherever they go. And whoever they minister to, Lord, let your grace and anointing be with them, God. And I lift up those on the live stream and on the recording. I'm asking for grace as they lead, even when it's unique, even when it's difficult, Lord, I ask for much grace. And we thank you tonight for how you lead your church and how you lead us. Help us to be faithful leaders just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.